Kei te whakaronga mai, koe ki nga pātaka kōrero o Tamaki Makoto. You're listening to an Auckland Libraries podcast. For, for heritage to uh, have value, for heritage to matter, you have to have a community there that celebrates it and connects to it. At the end of the day, these things, although they're from the past, they're kind of living and they're carried through to the present and then on to the future, hopefully, if we do our jobs right. Welcome to the Heritage Talks podcast, bringing you the best in family and local history from New Zealand, the Pacific and beyond. Your heritage now. Kia ora koutou. Welcome back to Heritage Talks. Ko gospa I'm recording today's podcast from my home while Tāmaki Pātaka Kōrero closes its doors as part of our wider community effort to stay on top of COVID-19. We hope to continue bringing you Auckland Library's content during this time. Today's talk is presented by Auckland Library's family historian Shona Lewis. Shona is based in the research team at the Central Library, but also regularly visits our other research centres to help people out closer to home. The presentation focuses on researching ancestry across the Scandinavian countries, including Sweden, Finland, Denmark and Norway. While the talk provides some searching sources specific to this area, others can be used for family history research generally. Please see our SoundCloud page for links to some of the resources mentioned. If the talk inspires you to go further with your research, you can visit Research Central at the Central Library or book a time to speak one-to-one with a librarian. You can do this through Auckland Library's website. Haramai titahi ahua. Enjoy the journey and stay safe. Now, one of the uh, common problems that we have when we're researching our families is we do everything we know um, about our families in New Zealand. And then the big question is, ah, but where did they come from previously? And some people think that they might have Scandinavian heritage because their last name or their ancestor's last name is Peterson. And it may or may not be so. Um, and or some other name that sounds like it could have evolved from a Scandinavian name. Um, and if you've got UK um, ancestors, often making the link back from New Zealand to the UK is difficult because you were all automatically assumed to be a British citizen if you came from the UK, because you were, and you didn't have to naturalise in New Zealand. Um, so the, making that link back from New Zealand to the UK, there's nothing, it, it takes a lot of skill and research to kind of find out where your person, where your family originated from. Um, with people who weren't um, UK British citizens, um, they were called aliens and they had to be naturalised. And so one of the, one of the gorgeous things about, um, the, about that is that they had to have records. So as far as we're concerned, we've got naturalisation records um, that's available. We've got them on microfilm and also books in Auckland libraries, and the index is available on Ancestry. These here, basically, I'm not sure if you can see it here, what the person's surname is, um, what their first name is, how old they are. Sometimes it lists a date of birth. Um, then it tells you what city, um, where they came from, Copenhagen, Rotterdam, etc., etc. What um, what language they spoke, where, and what they did for a living. 
um, where they were living um, when they were naturalised, what date they arrived and what date they were naturalised, and also the registration number for their naturalisation. So that's, that's a whole host of um, really good information in those documents, and it really does help you make that tie back from your New Zealand to, to where your ancestors originated. So having determined where in Scandinavia your family came from, um, you can um, see which country they were from and you know which, where to go to to start looking for records. Um, now the four main countries that make up Scandinavia are of course are Sweden, Finland, Denmark and Norway, um, although Iceland is also considered part of Scandinavia but we don't have many Iceland pe Icelandish people here. So, um, like everywhere else where you're researching, um, you need to understand the history of, your, of the place that you are researching in, um, because borders changed, place names changed, um, countries that were in charge of certain areas changed, like um, to start off with in the 13th century, most of Finland, Finland was actually part of Sweden. Um, and uh, then they made the Kalmar Union, which was Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, and Greenland, um, and the Faroe Islands, and the Northern Isles, um, which consisted of Orkneys and Shetlands, which of course are part of Scotland now. Um, and they were basically created to block the uh, German um, expansion. Um, later, um, they were carved up again. So there's a lot of jumbling around of borders and, and lands and you just kind of try and imagine what that does to the culture of the people living there and also the languages. Um, naming patterns. Um, so naming patterns um, are very helpful when we're doing our research. Um, the thing to remember is that uh, they were patronomic. So Siva Jensen, um, Jensen being son of son of Jen, uh, you might have um, Peter's daughter, and that would be son of a uh, daughter of Peter. So that was daughter or data, depending on whether it was uh, um, Swedish or Danish. Um, sometimes it was uh, the surname was based on the occupation, um, uh, such as Hans Schmidt, meaning Smith, meaning Smith. Sometimes it was nicknames, um, Olav Blatan, which means Bluetooth, and sometimes it was geographical, so um, based on a farm name, for example, the surname Mondale. So patronomics eventually ended because it got too complicated with the populations getting larger. And set surnames began about 1850s in the cities and uh, it, Norway was kind of a bit slower to adopt that. Um, so first names and given, and given names, um, they typically um, had the first male named after the father's father, etc. Um, the Scots and the Irish did something similar too, um, so that's quite common. Um, so that's very useful when you're, you're trying to figure out family patterns, when you've got a family group together and you can see um, who 
might be the son of somebody else, um, and they carry them through. What I found interesting was if a spouse died and the surviving spouse remarried, the first child of the same sex was then named after the deceased spouse. <laughs> I thought, ooh. <laughs> Women retained their maiden names when they married, so you, you don't get somebody becoming Mrs. Anderson. They would be, um, they would, uh, if their surname previously was um, Petter's daughter, they would still remain Petter's daughter, and that's the way they were. Um, the, you find um, when they had set surnames, it gets really confusing because you find you'll have a bunch of siblings, siblings and you might find the brother permanently taking on the patronomic surname like Anderson, and the sister might decide to take the geographical surname of Mundale, and another sister might take a, a nickname such as Blatan, and another brother might take an occupational surname like Schmed. So it it's, can be quite confusing because when they took decided to take on set surnames, it was up to them what to do. So you might have... Um, uh, you might have these four people, and they're all related. They're all um, siblings, um, and the only way you can, uh, well, you can kind of unpick it in, by doing research, but the only other way of being sure of it is to do your DNA test to follow the line back. Um, the other thing to note, too, is during um, immigration, a woman might have her surname Anders Dotter, and then she immigrated to the US or something, and she'll take her husband's name, which might be Jensen. So, you know, um, that can get a bit confusing as well. Or if she was single, she might anglicise her name from um, Anders' daughter to Anderson. So you need to, when you're searching, you need to keep your mind broad and open. For all of those countries, it's either daughter or data. Because the languages, and when they are spoken, are very similar. Swedish is um, daughter and um, son, double S. Um, and Danish and Norwegian is sen, S-E-N, and data for females. Yeah. Um, when, the, when this language is spoken, they can all understand each other. But when it's, when it's written down, it gets a little bit more challenging. They're basically dialects of each other that have just evolved. So where to start? Um, when, when I'm in the research centre and I have customers come in and ask me about researching in a country that I don't have quite as much experience um, with, um, is I tend to rely quite heavily on Cindy's List and Family Search. Um, Cindy's List is basically a website that is full of links that um, they're alphabetised and they're organised by country and they also organised by subject heading like religion or military or whatever. And they just have links of places where you can go to. Um, like if you were looking up Denmark, for example, if you had some Danish ancestors and you were looking up Denmark, you would go to Cindy's List and you would click on D for Denmark and there would you would select Denmark and there would be all these links that would take you um, off to um, countries, uh, oh, sorry, records, um, online records of for Denmark, for example. The other place to go to is Family Search um, Wiki, and the wiki basically is an information pages about um, uh, different countries, 
and they'll tell you a bit of history about the countries and they will also tell you where you can find records, not just inside Family Search, but also on other websites or even in repositories if they've not been digitised yet. So those are kind of my Bibles. Um, so um, Denmark, the, they have their National Archives online. They've got a digitisation program on. Um, and uh, like most other national archives around the world, they, will, they have got an agreement with um, one of the commercial um, genealogical websites to digitise the images. Um, but you can go and uh, have a look. They've also got the Dansk Demographics Database. That's basically where all the census documents are kept for, for Denmark. And then there is a company called Danish Family Search. This has nothing to do with the Family Search, the LDS Church Family Search. This is another website called Danish Family Search. So this is the sort of records that you can find in the um, uh, Danish National Archives. Um, they have the civil weddings from, from the period 1851 up to 1960. Um, civil weddings for... Um, Southern Jutland after 1925 only. Church books from all over the country, including migrations, so they've kept track of migrations of families. Um, church books from overseas congregations as well. They've got them digitised too. Um, church books from the Western Indies, where Danish people have settled in the Western Indies. Very useful because some of our ancestors might have come on from the Western Indies to New Zealand. One of the things, when you go to these other websites, of course, the language will be in the language of the country. Um, but very handily, there's a little box that clicks up saying, would you like me to translate this to English for you? And you go, yes, please, unless you're very good at Danish. Um, so, uh, but it's very, very, the original records, of course, will be in Danish. So, you know, um, it's just the, the bits that have been added to the website um, will be translated, but it at least helps you know what you're looking at. And words tend to become familiar after a while, especially if you Google definitions. Um, Danish censuses. Um, so this you'll find on the um, Danish dem demographic database. Um, there is also a information page that tells you how to use it. Um, it goes into more detail because it has to describe what you're seeing on the document. So that's very useful because there's nothing more annoying than looking for something and not being able to find anything and then finding out later the reason why you can't find anything is because it doesn't exist. I don't know about you, but I often think it's, it's me that's doing something wrong. Um, and this is some other databases that are available. Um, they've got really good, interesting stuff on here. They've not just kept track of the people that... Um, are still living in their country, but they're keeping track of other people that are, are around the world. Um, and they, of course, the Danish East Indies, they've got um, um, containing Indian data um, and also the church books and lists from um, the Danish people that were living there at the time. Um, so there's a whole host of stuff there that you can, you can go into, including stuff about the First World War, um, but really, really good stuff. 
Um, Danish Family Search, not LDS Family Search, but Danish Family Search. Kind of like an ancestry website because you can build your own tree on it and you can attach sources to it directly. Some of these records may be on other websites as well. And of course, My Heritage. Um, the good thing about My Heritage, of course, is that it's available free in the library. Um, you just need to access it through um, a public PC or through the library web Wi-Fi. Go to the library website and access it through our link on our library website and you can access it for free in the library. Um, it's one of the only websites that we've got um, for, for genealogy research that you can also access from home. Um, and how you access it from home is that you go to our library website, you log in using your library barcode and your password as if you were going to order a book. Then you find the link to my heritage in the library website and you go in and away you go, you can research from home and your pyjamas with a cup of tea or a glass of wine, whatever fills your boots. Um, and they're very good with um, Scandinavian records, they're very strong my heritage. Then in um, family search, um, again, you can go to records and you can drill down and find Denmark and have a look at what records they've got available and um, they've got quite a lot as well. And the other good thing about Family Search is it's free. Um, the good thing about um, Family Search is not only is it free to the general public, but we are an affiliate Family Search library. And what that means is that um, we can access some of, the, some of the record collections that the general public can't access. They have different licensing agreements with different um, organisations around the world. And some of the organisations have said only people who um, only people who are in family search libraries can view these records. So we've become a an affiliate library, so that we can view these records um, online. So um, you know we've got a bit more um, a bit more available to us than the general public. Um, Norway. The first on the list was the um, National Archive Services of Norway. Um, so this is what it looks like. Again, it has quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of um, different information there. Um, immigration and relocation and uh, seafarers, di diplomas and fragments and so on and so forth. Census um, documents there as well. Um, in Norway, they had... Um, um, they. This, this, these documents are all in um, three different languages. Um, excuse me if I don't pronounce this correctly. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Norwegian, but um, hopefully not, because um, the three different languages are um, Bokmal, Nyorsk, and English. Um, so that's the different languages that they're in. Um, Bokmal is the more traditional written form of Norwegian, and it is basically written Danish. With um, and but it has a Norwegian pronunciation when you read it aloud. Norskin contrast is actually based on local Norwegian vernaculars from the old Norse, um, and it was actually created when um, Norway split from Denmark as kind of a um, an attempt to um, shrug off, if you like, their Danish influence. Right, we're Norwegian. We're going to go back to the old Norse language and I'm gonna, we're going to adapt that for our day-to-day -day use. Um, it didn't take off in every area. 
um, but you know it is a it is a relatively strong local language still in the documents. But it comes from Old Norse. So, um, and this is Norway heritage hands across the sea. Now, this is basically a um, uh, online family history organisation, um, and they've got um, they've got immigrant ships and. Um, arrivals into the Americas, maybe our, our Norwegian ancestors came via America, etc. Um, and uh, um, a whole host of things, and they're being added to all the time. So um, out of Norway, organised immigration began in 1825, although they didn't usually get to New Zealand until much later. Um, the de destination was usually the Americas, and the first ship to leave um, Norway was the Restoration, which set sail from Stavanger to go to, the, um, to New York in 1925. Had 52 people, um, Norwegian people on board, um, and, and so on. So they, they made their way out of Norway, um, mainly from um, Le Havre, Gothenburg and Hamburg, so they would travel to another European port to, to leave usually. Um, and the year is um, an exhausting, exhaustive list of passengers from 1825 to 1873 on this website. Um, Norwegian immigrant search, it's called Norwegians in America, as 71,000 entries, which is quite big. So, um, may well be that um, some of our ancestors came via that way. It also includes some entries from the Norwegian police nor immigration records, and it's a work in progress and it's continually being added. And again, um, my heritage, they have all the usual um, suspects, the Norwegian uh, births, deaths and marriages, or baptisms and marriages, and some of the census records. Now, Finland. Um, Finland has its own um, archive, New Zealand, uh, its own archive, country archive, national archive. It has a family history association. Um, it also has the Finnish settlements, um, which is, is like a census, type of census record. Um, and it also has new announced today from Family Search. They have indexed the family, uh, the Finland tax lists from 1809 to 1915. The images were already available on Family Search, but you had to browse them. But now they've all been indexed, so you can do proper searches for them. And again, my heritage, they've got the usual suspects. They've got the census and confirmation books and baptisms and marriages, and they've some um, gravestones on there too, which is interesting, and some burials. Okay, so the um, National Archives of Sweden, um, the archives contain the records of, you know, births, deaths and marriages. They also have visitation and parish, other parish records. Um, it's really comprehensive because you can follow the person from um, cradle to grave, basically. Um, and they have the, they have in the military and civil archives, they also hold the tax records and population registers. Uh, they also have the private archives where you can find diaries and correspondence. And again, um, my heritage 
has the Swedish collections too. Um, you'll find bits and bobs in, in, in Family Search, but um, apart from the, uh, the archives that belong in the countries themselves, um, probably My Heritage is the more comp comprehensive one to go to, and you'll find bits and bobs in Ancestry as well. Um, I always find it worthwhile searching um, across all the different databases, um, even if they've got the same record collection, because they have things like the um, transcription errors and um, somebody looking at a word and mistranscribing it, quite common, or mistyping it. Um, also, they have different search engines. Um, each database uses its own search engine language, and sometimes they turn up more, um, you know, better returns when you're doing a search than others. Um, so I always find it's be best to go and look at all of them and see what you can pick up um, and uh, see how you get on. You've been listening to an Auckland Libraries podcast. For further information, see our SoundCloud page or visit the Auckland Libraries website. We hope you'll join us again soon for more Heritage Talks. Matewa. wa.